Good evening, everyone. Tonight's Bible reading comes from Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 25. It was about this time that the king, Herod, arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that, his ple- that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for the public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God to, to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked, through, walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarrelling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended upon on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod was wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you, Adam. Uh, good to be able to share with you this evening. Yeah, this is fine. Thank you. Um, that passage will be the central point of what we talk about. We won't deal with it in continuing exegesis, but what I want to read to you first of all is a picture. It's a picture from the last book of the Bible, and the last chapter of the book of the Bible. And this is what it says. Then he showed me a river of water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on one either side of the, of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bond servants will serve him and they'll see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there'll no longer be any night and they'll have no need of the light or of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Uh, by means of introduction, the reality is we don't live in that world yet, do we? Uh, we live in a hostile world, a world that is against the things of God. That threat to the Christian life can be external, as we saw and had read to us from Adam earlier. Or it can be internal. It can be the, the fact that you and I, within the life of the church that we may be part of, or Christians are part of, will receive from it uh, what is ungodly leadership. Uh, you hear on the news some of the challenges that exist in churches where ungodly leadership has uh, ruled when it shouldn't have. What happens in churches is that sometimes the world's way of thinking, of doing things, permeates and it doesn't remain or become what God intends it to be. Uh, has anyone ever been hurt by someone else in the church? No one. Uh, why is that? Because we live in a hostile environment and worldly contamination impacts what should be the reality of God at work within us. And, and, and the, the church is under threat by doctrinal error. How many different churches exist in this world? Uh, different forms and shapes of that. Uh, because somewhere along the line, we move from the truth of what God says to what someone says about what God says. And it becomes a focus. Uh, some of you haven't faced real opposition yet. Because you live in an environment which is conducive to peace. And, and that's a good thing. But I want you to be aware that you will face opposition as you continue in your Christian journey if you haven't. Because you'll live in a world in the midst of opposition. Uh, each of us will face the world round about us, our own sinful desires, the flesh, and the evil one who wants to do nothing more than to destroy you. Who wants to have the joy of saving? Look at you. You called yourself a follower of Jesus and you are bankrupt. You have failed him dreadfully. 
the challenge that we're going to look at from this passage is how will you respond? Uh, who is in charge? And uh, that is an incredibly important question for you to keep asking yourself, just as I do, every day. Who's in charge of what you choose to do? Um, the church at Jerusalem uh, had begun to be persecuted from the very people of which they were a part. Do you remember, uh, who, where were the, the first Christians? From what nation were they? Come on, it's not hard. Is that me making all that noise? On the inside? Maybe, or this one. Uh, it's that one. I don't know. We'll try it again. Uh, they were Jews, weren't they? Who was persecuting them? Jews. Why? Because they had come to understand that the Messiah in Jesus Christ was in their midst and everything that God had promised in the Old Testament was to be fulfilled. How did that persecution first begin? We, we read of early on in Acts the death of Stephen uh, because he stood up and uh, declared the wonder of God's presence in the person and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and God intervened for the church. And tonight, I want us to look at who's in charge here. In this passage, who's in charge? Because there are two proponents uh, who want to say they're in charge. Uh, the first is Herod Agrippa. Herod Agrippa I. Uh, he rules the Jews. And you heard him mentioned uh, throughout as being the protagonist in bringing persecution to those who are Christians. Herod uh, was king. Uh, without going through all of the complexity of the, 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 uh, the way that Jewish kings had reigned from when Herod, King Herod I, when Jesus was born, he had the kingdom divided in four parts after that. Till now, this is Herod Agrippa, who is his grandson, part grandson. He's not what the Jews want because he's actually from uh, Edomite. He's, an e he's from Esau, generated from Esau. So here he is. He's ruling the Jews and uh, he wants to have um, to be loved by the Jewish people. He, he's, he's a really interesting man historically. He was the person who was able to bring Caesar into governance to become the ruler of all the Roman Empire. And what was even more significant, he was likely, should his life have been maintained, to become Caesar later on. Incredible to think about. This, the worldly historians will mention him throughout. But he died as we had read to us earlier on tonight. Why? Uh, because his ambitions were all about himself. The, the challenge that you and I have as the people of God is to walk in accordance with his truth. 
to live day by day according to that truth. In this chapter, as it was read to us, who was it that we heard killed? Giants. How many people were with Jesus on those really close, intimate times where no one else was there? Jesus and three people. Peter, James and John. The two brothers. So one might assume that Jesus loved him. Agreed? He, he was very close to him. And yet here it is, in the midst of this circumstance... He dies. Not just died, killed by enemies of Jesus. By, by the God who manifested his life in Jesus Christ and able to have victory over the whole world. And he dies. Where is the love of God revealed in that? So the questions of people are often seen that way. And so in this story of what's recorded in Acts chapter 12, we see something that you need to learn as I keep on learning. That I can trust God to do that which is good for me, no matter what the circumstance might be like. You got me? Uh, some of you know my personal story. Some of you know that uh, my first wife died instantaneously. Uh, at 22 some of you are older than that. How could that be? And yet you probably don't know that my second wife, Susan, should have died twice already. But she didn't. You see, our life is in his hands. Your life is in his hands. How you respond to what happens in your life is an indication of whether you trust God to do that which is good for you even when it feels rotten. Does that make sense? I, I don't know how many of you have had really rotten stuff to go through yet. But I guarantee when you live in a hostile world, in a fallen world, you will experience pain. It won't always work well for you. In this passage, we see something that divides us to see what God is able to do when it seems impossible. His word says he's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. So trust him to do that which is going to be good in your life. Let me read this to you and look from it. These couple of uh, verses. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. There's a, an allegory that some preachers make of Peter's situation. Let me, everyone know what an allegory is? All right. So it gives you an image of what his physical circumstance might mean spiritually. He was guarded. Uh, Satan likes to stand watch over every young person, wants to, to prevent them from escaping. Um, 
He was bound with two chains. We are bound with our sin. Bound in such a way that we can't even sometimes break our habits before we come to Christ. He was asleep in a state of inactivity, insecurity and illusion. In the spiritual sense, every sinner is asleep, not aware of what God wants to do for them. He was in darkness like the night of sin. The blackness of midnight had settled over Herod's prison. He was naked. You might have recognised that when that was read. What did he have to to do uh, after his chains fell off? Get dressed. Naked before these guys, right? No way that he could hide anything. No way that that, uh, he could stand or be active in a way that uh, was with dignity. All sin leaves us naked before God. He was condemned to death. Uh, Those who don't know Jesus are condemned to death. That's the state of where I was in before I heard the good news about Jesus. It's his image of what is for those who are outside the kingdom. But I want to tell you this truth. God's in charge. God is in charge of this world and of all that will happen. So people pray and they seek his intervention. Why? Because they know God's power. God is able to do anything that he so determines. Our problem is knowing that which he wants to do. They recognise there is no other way for Peter to be made free. Can't happen by uh, going and trying to uh, overcome the jail. There's a story I heard as a young person uh, that is really helpful for me. Can I share it with you? There's a young guy, big, strong guy. Tim, probably like you, you know. Had, had, a, had an axe, and he was great at using his axe. So he turned up one day um, to ask for a job at this logging camp. Got out his axe, all sharp, ready to go. Smashed the tree down in no time at all, and guess what happened? Says, sure, you can, you can come and work. You can work for this week, and then we'll, we'll uh, check you out. And so he came in, started Monday, Everything cut down quick as he was leading by the number of trees cut down. Tuesday kept at it, Wednesday, Thursday. And the the boss, the foreman, came and says, "Um, you can pick up your paycheck on the way out today. And he said, well, I thought you paid on Friday. Uh, We normally do, but we're letting you go today because you've fallen behind. Our daily felling chart show that you've dropped from first place on Monday to last on Wednesday. But I'm a hard worker. I arrive first, I leave last, and I even work through my coffee breaks. Hmm. Have you been sharpening your axe? Uh, um, uh, I've been working too hard to take the time to sharpen my axe. 
Have you been sharpening your axe? You're spending time in prayer? You with me? You see, we cannot do anything without prayer. Without a relationship that's dependent upon what God is saying, we're going to give it all of our worth and it won't accomplish what God will do in a moment. Does that make sense? Remember that. Prayer is the home that gives your life a sharp edge. By faith, pray, and your faith will grow, and your prayer life will grow. Jesus says you do not have because you do not ask, and you do not know how to ask until you know him and what he says. Peter's deliverance was an angelic deliverance. Chains fell off. Impossible, isn't it? Chains just don't fall off. He was guarded. You heard 16 people, they used to use four lots of four. Every six hours, new four would come in and do that. Why? Because they didn't want anyone to be able to grow weary and fall asleep. Six hours, they had to pay attention. Two were there, uh, chained to him, so he couldn't move, get away. The other two were such that they kept guard and kept a look on anyone else trying to come in. And he didn't have uh, anything that would give him an opportunity to escape. And the church, they pray. Uh, and I'm sure when they heard James was uh, uh, arrested, prayed too. But in this particular occasion, God did something extraordinary because it was his purpose for the life of the church. All right? And what happens is the church is strengthened. That's the outcome of when God's purposes are fulfilled as people have prayed. You might not see it, but he does it. Do you remember what was read to us? Where did he go? Where did Peter head off to? The house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. You hear about him right at the end of the passage, right? The, the mother of John Mark. And you'll know that John Mark was Barnabas' nephew. Yes? Yeah. Okay. I want you to think of what life was like for John Mark. He had this great privilege to be discipled by Barnabas and by Saul and by someone else too out of this time. His name was Peter. Do you know... Uh, of anything significant that John Mark did? Matthew, Luke, John. So this John Mark was the one whose name is for the Gospel of Mark. Peter goes to this place, not to James, 
Not the James who died, but James, the brother of Jesus, who was head of the church. Got it? And here he shares with them the victory that had come because they were willing to pray. No, they didn't recognise, uh, at the Sut Road, they didn't recognise who it was. Uh, this can't, be, can't possibly be Peter, he's in jail. It's got to be his angel. You see, they had a belief that each person had a guardian angel that looked like them and spoke like them. So when they heard that voice, this was what they thought. And because it couldn't possibly be Peter. But he showed the difference, didn't it? And he told, Peter told him, let James know all about this. And then he went somewhere else. So he was wise about going to a safe place. Wisdom when they would start searching for him. God is in charge. You got it? Who's in charge? God is in charge. From this, if you learn nothing else but that truth, then you will have learnt an important thing for the rest of your life. What are the consequences of Peter's deliverance? Um, listen to it. Let's put it uh, simply. Um, there was no sm small disturbance. Verse 18, now when day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. Can you imagine? What's going on here? What's going on? When Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. Why? Why were they executed? Well, two possible reasons. They were executed because... Uh, as far as King Herod was concerned, uh, they shouldn't have let him leave. And if they were, however it happened, didn't matter, uh, that was their responsibility, and they knew the responsibility if, if a prisoner escaped, uh, they were to be killed. So he had to get a story together to say that they were responsible for his escape, not that God did it miraculously. So here they were... They were those who then uh, had to be dealt with. So the lives of these men were lost because someone else thought they were in charge. You see, Herod is not in charge. He's not in charge of his own destiny. Uh, the last part of this chapter that was read to you uh, deals with the situation where the, the people of Tyre and Sidon came to him and uh, wanted to, to gain his favour because he was in charge, wasn't he? He's the king. He can provide them with all they want. And so when they came, uh, they used a bit of the conniving to get his servant, Blastus, to, uh, to make an audience with him. And uh, having made an audience with him, this, uh, this powerful king of this area, because as you heard read, Tyre and Sidon uh, were dependent upon uh, Israel uh, for the food that they would eat. They needed 
to have his favour if that was to be the case. He, after this uh, episode with Peter, went where he wanted to go. And as he went, he uh, uh, was the one who, I guess, was a... Hmm. Less than happy that the Jewish people saw that Peter had, had, uh, had escaped and, and were, wasn't to be dealt with uh, during that, that time of the, uh, the, the festival of unleavened bread. So he went, but he went as one in bondage by his own emotions. He went and made a big show of himself, went to, with royal apparel. Uh, in another historical book uh, by a guy called Josephus, he went in silver. And so w- when he came out, he was a great speaker, much better than any of us, much better than me. And he came in a way that they just bowed down and worshipped this great speaker and said, oh, oh. This is the voice of a God, not a voice of man. A man that history says was destined to rule the empire. And what does God do? Despite all his uh, 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 gifts and all of his opportunities, he sees him dead before them died of worms, intestinal worms, a terrible, terrible, painful way to go. Uh, You and I would not want to put on the airs and graces. No one in our society does that. Seen my Porsche? You haven't seen my Porsche? Oh, You know one of the things on the back of the house? Oh, that's porch, sorry. (laughs) Or have you seen how well I look? Or have you seen, oh, I can't show that how much money I've got. Uh, but we tend to say and look at ourselves and measure people according to these external things. Look at me. And others might say, well, but God simply says, all that you have comes from me. All that you have. You see, Herod gives the word of Herod. Look at me. I'm very capable. I speak wonderfully. I was responsible for Caesar's appointment. Remember, look at me. And we can say, I'm a good worker. I'm I'm, I'm a a wonderful person. I do a lot at the church. God says, all that you are is possible because I've created you. The crowd responds with adoration. And Herod is thinking to himself, ah, life is so good. Life is so good. And God responds with his power. 
and takes away an enemy of the church. Took God's glory. You know what it says then? And the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. So who's in charge of our destiny? God is. Doesn't matter what you plan. Unless it's in accordance with the things of God, it will come to naught. See on the screen, N-O, God. No God, no life. I, I, I don't know everyone's uh, circumstance. Uh, you could have been like me and never come to an understanding of the knowledge of who God is. But the truth is, apart from him, there is nothing. If you don't have him, all you have is an existence that one day is going to end in death and then forever and ever suffering because of that consequence. It's a terrible thing. But the truth, uh, and the scriptures remind us, uh, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and forfeit his own life? Uh, being a pastor a long time, and I think I've told you, I've done many funerals, and I haven't seen one hearse with a trailer on the back for people to take stuff with them. Why? Because you will only take into eternity that which is done in dependence on Christ. It's incredible, isn't it? You have an opportunity in every step of the way, every time you're obedient to what God is asking to build on a life that will last forever. See, that's why... When you know God, K-N-O-W, you know life. Life in its fullness. This is eternal life that you may know, right? The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. This is eternal life. Eternal life is the living in him. No life if you know God. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. As we conclude, remember who's in charge. Remember who's in charge. It's not the government. It's not your employer. It's not your family. It's God. Your destiny is in his hands, just as it was for Peter. Doesn't matter whether you come from a Christian family or you don't. Choose life. Choose life. Uh, have you heard the punchline when you're at a funeral? What do people want to hear the most? Look, he's moving. So I ask you are you spiritually alive? Are you moving? Are you alive to him? doesn't matter that you come to service. It's whether you know him. Know him. Uh, you might know him, but you're not experience abundant life. Jesus said, I've come not only that you might have life, but have it more abundantly. Can I tell you, the, for me, the simple way to do that is absolute surrender. 
Simply say, Lord, whatever. Follow wherever. Do whatever. Because it says, I trust you, Lord. I know you want the best for me. Others will say this, but the only one who loves me enough to die for me is Jesus. Live the life, his life, and it will be revealed to all those round about you. And you'll make a difference to them more than you'll ever realise. Can I pray for you before we conclude? Now, Father, we thank you for the, the mystery of your work within this world. And we're thankful that in the life of the church, despite the opposition that there was from people who thought they could rule, like Herod, uh, that you were able to move beyond that and to establish a church that is across the world. And despite the hostility of the world round about us, you continue to bring people to an understanding of the wonder of your grace and love for them. Help us personally and individually to be those alive to you. And may each one uh, learn to walk dependent upon you, recognising that everything that we have is a gift from you. The breath that we have is a gift from you. Today is a gift from you. May we walk in a way that brings pleasure to you, our Father, in such a way that others know we love you and love them too. Pray that, Father, for the glory of your name. Amen. Have a, a week that's dependent upon him. All right. Bless you. There are no questions prepared. So if you want to get together and talk about stuff, what it means in your life, pray together. Wonderful. Up to you.